As you find your seats, please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to find ourselves in Matthew 6 for the next couple of weeks as we begin uh, our series on the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, we're going to begin our series looking at the prayer that Jesus gave his disciples to pray as our springboard into this uh, um, uh, great, great series and the reminder that our King is Jesus, that He is Lord of Lords, that He is God of all creation, and He's called us into His kingdom, into a relationship with His Father. Is it abundantly clear that we live in a messy and broken world? Is it not a daily reminder for us that this place is broken? I mean, even in the first few days of January, the first few days of 2007, Orange County has had the day with the most homicides in one day. And we're just beginning 2007. This world is messy. This world is broken. And you ready? God wants you to do something about it. God has called you and me to do something about the brokenness, to do something about the mess for his glory, for his kingdom's sake. He wants us, God wants us to go to all that which is broken. He wants us to make new that which is wearing out or that has worn out. He wants us, his children, to bring peace where there's turmoil. Is there enough turmoil? If there are enough war raging around us, in our homes, in our lives, in our communities, in our workplace, in our world. God is calling us to go and bring peace, to be ambassadors of peace. And the only way we can do this is if we go in God's name through the work of his son. You see, it was Jesus himself who came 2,000 years ago. And when he stepped on this earth, he says, I'm bringing to you a new kingdom, a kingdom of heaven, a kingdom of God, A kingdom where God is worshipped, where his rule reigns. A kingdom where we find life and life abundantly. And when Jesus came bringing us this new kingdom, what he did is he said, I am here to make all things new. I am here to make that which is worn out new again. That which is broken whole. That which is lost its beauty beautiful. I am here to make all things new. And he starts with us. He starts with us who have been marred and broken because of sin. And he says, in me, in my life, in my work, in my righteousness, in my blood, you and I can be new creatures in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. We are new. We are brand new in Christ. And now he comes with his kingdom and he gives us new life. And now he says, we are a part of that kingdom. And our call is to advance that kingdom. Our call is to move it Forward to enter into the mess, to enter into the brokenness and make all things new because he has made us new. He's reconciled sinners like us to the Father through his own life. And Jesus was reconciling the whole world through himself. And now he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. He gives us the kingdom of God. He gives us the kingdom of heaven and the privilege of being a part of that kingdom and says, now go and make all things new through this kingdom. 
We can't do anything. We can't do any of it unless we first have a right relationship with Father. It starts with a right relationship with Father because if that relationship is broken, we can know no peace. We can be of no use to ourselves or our community. Really, this call for kingdom, this call for renewal are for only those that God has touched our lives through the work of Christ, those he has made new. If he has not yet made us new, if there is not peace that reigns right now between a holy God and us, we can do him no good. We can do ourselves no good. We cannot advance Christ's kingdom. It begins with our relationship with Father. And if we don't have that relationship, we're lost. But there's hope. So turn with me to this incredible prayer We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. This morning, we're only going to look really at verse 9. Next week, we'll pick up verse 10 and use those two as a springboard into the rest of this series. Let's be mindful that we're reading God's very word. It's a prayer that Jesus himself taught his disciples to pray, uh, inspired and given to us by the Holy Spirit. Also, for those of you who keep track of these kind of things, this year in 2007, a new year, a new Bible, uh, I'll be preaching through the ESV this year. Uh, in the last several years, I've preached through the NASB, uh, great translation, ESV, great translation. So those of you who have an ESV, uh, raise your hand, say, Yahoo, that's me. Jeff finally got it right. So uh, we're going to have God's word. It's very readable. Uh, but let's be mindful if you got the King James, the NIV, by God's grace, he's given us his word. And let's go to it together. Let's read God's word together. Um, I'll read it aloud. You read along silently with me. Matthew 6, verse 9 then this is how you should pray. And let me set the context. Um, it really, right out of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is looking at the religious people and they're really praying these really long prayers. And you know why they're praying really long prayers? They want to impress people. I mean, they really aren't even talking to God. They were just trying to be like really verbose and use big words and everybody's saying, wow. And Jesus' disciples come to him and say, will you teach us how to pray? Are we supposed to pray like those guys? And Jesus, I mean, gives us some radical prayer. And, you know, we've heard this prayer so many times. And you're going to hear it. And it's going to be, oh, yeah, yeah, it's the Lord's Prayer. And there's going to be probably not going to have that, oh, wow, that's offensive kind of shock to us. But you got to realize to Jesus' disciples, this was really offensive in a sense. Because Jesus was telling his disciples to pray in a manner in which they referred to the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the Holy One, is Abba, Father. Unbelievable. Unbelievable access. And here's how he teaches him to pray. Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. You know, he didn't want us to have this prayer as a rote prayer, that these words are magical in and of themselves, that this is the only way we pray. This gives us a roadmap of how to pray. And it kind of directs us of how we should have our thoughts and and how we should align all that we're doing. And it all begins with relationship with Father. Our Father, you're in heaven. Holy is your name. Do you know that prayer? Do you know that Father? Can you really pray that prayer? Let us pray as we begin. Father, 
one of the most incredible words that Jesus gave to us to describe you, God. Who are we that we can whisper the word Father in your presence? Father, it's only because of what you've done in your Son that sinners like us can ever have that word on our tongue and not be stricken down because you are holy and you're God and you're good and you're majestic. And Father, we need to hear, we need to hear your voice again. We need to hear from Father today. And God, would you be pleased to do that which only you can do and that's speak through a broken vessel who desperately loves and needs to hear afresh from Father. Remind me of the incredible privilege that is mine in Christ. And God, speak so that we can hear. Open up our ears, not to hear my words. They're useless, but your words, they give life. Open up our minds to understand what it means to have Father in heaven. What it means that his name is holy. And what it means to be a part of his kingdom. Father, soften our hearts to that which is cold and callous, to that which we've heard this and it's rote and and we we memorize this and it doesn't have meaning. God, break away the coldness of our hearts and so that our hearts will beat afresh for Father. God, empower our feet that we would walk in a manner worthy of Father, that our lips wouldn't say our Father and our feet deny that we even know Him. Only you can do that. So would you come with power And the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of Christ make us more like your son, Father, Jesus, who's brought us to you. And the things that are merely my opinion, may they quickly fall away and be forgotten. You and you alone receive glory. Give us great joy and challenge. In Christ's name, amen. As prayer begins, it's amazing what benefits are ours in Christ. Remember, this prayer was not given to everyone. This prayer was given to Jesus' disciples, to his closest friends. And those, by God's grace, who are in relationship with him, with Father, through Son, he gives us now the ability to call God Father. And the first thing we see is this, is that we have a Father, our Father. Our world is a messy, broken place. And God, the Father, wants you to do something about it. But we cannot do anything about it, about our world, about the mess, and about the brokenness until we truly can pray our Father who art in heaven. Can you truly pray that prayer? I mean, who has God given this incredible privilege to, to call him Father? Is this a universal privilege that he has given to all mankind? Because in a sense, wouldn't you agree that he's Father of everything? I mean, truly he's created all things through Christ out of nothing. Truly, he is the father of all humankind. So because of that fatherhood, does that give everyone a right to call him father? Or is this a privilege to a certain group of individuals? It's only for a certain group. And really, listen, we can't pray our father in heaven until we have peace with the father. The air has to be cleared. I mean, you know... Parents, does anyone here have kids that are teenagers or anyone here who has disciplined a child and you know the tension between uh, a, a father and a son? 
And you know, and for that tension to be ignored and just to come into the Father's presence with a lot of baggage and just basically sit down and say, let's just start afresh and say, hey, Dad, when you know that there's a whole bunch of stuff that's separating that relationship, we well, see we can't come into God's presence and say, our Father, unless we have peace with God. And until we have peace with God, this prayer is not heard and this prayer means nothing. And amazingly, Scripture teaches us that by nature, He's not our Father. By our nature, by the way when we are born, we are born separated from Father. By nature, we are children of wrath. Ephesians 2, 3 will say that very clearly. It tells us, beginning in 2, 1, that we're dead in our trespasses and sin. Our sin has separated from the Father, separated us from the Father. It's, it's taken away our spiritual life. And it tells us that by nature, are you ready for this? By nature, even Robin Elizabeth, who was just born, beautiful little girl, by nature, she is like you and me, a sinner separated from God. One who by nature rebels against God, not in peace with God, and lives her life totally in rebellion from God. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen a child full of wrath? Have you ever done nursery duty here? (laughs) A child full of wrath. Now let's think about that child for a moment. Do they have peace with themselves? Does a child full of wrath have any peace with themselves? I mean, really, it's those tantrums, and all they can think about is themselves and their own junk, and they're just filled with wrath. There's no peace. Do you see any peace with their mother or when they're a child full of wrath, they can't have peace with their mother. They can't have peace with their maker. Is there any peace in a household with a child full of wrath? Can anybody have peace around them when a child is really full of wrath and living that out? No, there's no peace for those who by nature are children of wrath. So we have to begin with this reality that saying our Father who art in heaven is not a natural birthright thing. We can't just naturally be born into this world and say, okay, our Father art in heaven. He is not our Father if there is a wrath between us. If there is sin between us, we cannot pray our Father who art in heaven. It's not a birthright. Something else has to happen. And here's another incredible thing. It's not for the religious either. It's not for those who are religious who are able to pray our Father. Religious people need to pray our Father only if they get it through Christ. Now, there's an incredible story in John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, Jesus is saying this, basically. He says, I'm the light of the world. And he's talking to a lot of religious people. And he says, if anybody believes in me, anybody believes in me and follows me, and believes that I'm the Son of God and the Savior of sinners, if anybody believes in me, they will have life and life indeed, and they will be free. And the religious people really took offense at this. They said, who in the world is this carpenter who's telling me that life can only be found in him, who's telling me that my religion and all the giving of my money and all of my long prayers and all of my religious acts are not making me acceptable to the Father. Doesn't this Jesus know that we're a part of the pedigree? Does Jesus not know that we were circumcised? Does Jesus not know that we're Jews and we're God's chosen people? Who is this guy who is saying that we don't have a relationship with Father? So they get into an argument. And they start saying, listen, now, you tell us you're free. We, we're, we're not in bondage. That's what sin does. They're in bondage to their own sin. They're in bondage to Rome. We're not in, we're not in bondage. We have Father Abraham. Abraham is our father. We have descended 
from one who God was pleased with. We were connected to maybe a parent or a grandparent that loved God and came to church. We've done religious things. Therefore, we have relationship with Father because of our external religion. And Jesus, in the way I love what he does, this is our Messiah, gets in their face and says, you don't have a relationship with Father. I don't care about your religion. I don't care what you gave. I don't care about your prayers. You don't have a relationship with Father. Because if you had a relationship with Father, you'd love me. And you're rejecting me. And you can't have a relationship with Father without me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one gets to Father except through me. Jesus would say this to the religious folks. These are the religious folks. He says, you're doing the deeds of your father. You're acting like your dad. You're not acting like my heavenly father. You're acting like your dad. And they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. (laughs) Tongue in cheek. Let me tell you what's going on here. They said, we are not born of fornication. Now, who is Jesus' father? Who's his father? Who's his father? God, right? You know what they're saying? You're a bastard child, Jesus. You don't even have a dad. Who in the world are you telling us that you can't call, that we can't call God father? You're illegitimate. We're not born of fornication like you. They didn't believe in this virgin birth stuff. They didn't believe that he was Holy Spirit conceived. And they're just railing on him. You, you're illegitimate and you're telling us we don't have a relationship with Father? Is that not just unbelievable? Jesus said to them, if you, if God were your Father, you'd love me. For I proceed forth and come from God and I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear my word. You're not mine. You're, listen, this is what Jesus says to religious folks. It's pretty strong. It's like black and white, and I love him for it. I love the fact he's not mixing words, and I love the fact he's not softening. You ready for this? He says this, you're of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not understand the truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks, he speaks a lie, for that's what he speaks from his own nature. He's a liar and the father of lies. Because I speak truth, you don't believe me. It goes on in verse 47. He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason you do not hear them, because you are not of God. Here's what he's saying. Don't call my father, father. You're not of him. He's not your dad. He's not your father. You think that you have a religion and a righteousness that has earned your way in to a relationship with God. Unbelievably, listen to what this says, folks. This says that we can't be naturally born having a relationship with God. Naturally, just by being, reflecting his image, gives us no right to call him father. Not only that, it says this, because of religion, because of our own righteousness, gives us no reason, no right to call him father. Who can call him father? Unbelievable. Sinners. Those who realize they're disqualified, those who realize they've messed up, those who have fallen short and embraced Jesus as Savior, those by God's grace that says he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, I'm accepting him as my Savior. Those are the ones that are able to call him Father. You know the story of the prodigal son. It's really the prodigal sons in Luke 15. It's an amazing story. You have one son who uh, 
basically is going to go to his dad and say, Dad, I wish you were dead. I don't want to have your name anymore. I don't want to have your identity anymore. I don't want to have your junk anymore. I do want your junk. I want your stuff. But I don't want any relationship with you. I don't want any identity to you. Dad, I wish you were dead because if you were dead, Dad, then I would have your own money and I'd have my stuff, my inheritance. I'd be on my way. And unbelievably, you know the story, that the father says, okay, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you what is your share. And he cashes out and he gives this, this radical prodigal son all that he was entrusted to have. And the son goes and says, I'm going to find life elsewhere. And you know the story. You, you know that he pursued everything the world had to offer, saying this will get, make you significant. This will make you feel good. This will give you life. And he just slipped away and slipped away and slipped away. And when famine came and relationships were broken and nothing was left, he had a Jewish boy feeding pigs. And if you know anything about Jewish history, this is low of the low. And he's sitting there and he remembers father. He remembers father. He says, you know, my father, his servants eat better than this. And if I just go back to father and I'll tell him, you know, I'm no longer deserved son. But I'll say, father, I've, I've messed up. And father, I've, I've, uh, I've dragged your name through the mud. I've been with women I shouldn't have been with. I've I've taken things I shouldn't take. I've spent it all. It's gone. I don't deserve it. Can you just treat me like one of your servants? You know, we have a father that doesn't even wait for the son to speak and a father who runs to those who are lost. And he sees him from far away and he runs. and And the son says this. Listen, the son never lost father. He never lost it. Father, I've sinned. I've fallen short. I'm no longer worthy. And before he can get it out, the, son, the father says, you're mine. Clothe my boy. Give him a robe. Put a ring on his finger. Kill the calf. We're going to party. My son who was lost, who was dead, he's found. He's back. He's awesome. All you have to do is acknowledge that you're a sinner to say, Father. But you know, unbelievably, there's another son in that story. A son who was out in the field and wouldn't come and party with the rest of the family. And what did the father do? The father did the same thing he did for the younger son. He did for the older son. He does for the older son. He goes out to his older son. And he said, son, come on. Your brother, he's home. We're partying. It's the greatest news. He's alive. He's well. He's back. He's in the fold. And you know what this stinking older brother does? He doesn't even call him father. He says, Look. I've been slaving for you all these years and you ever throw a party for me? Is it ever about me? Come on, look. This son of yours has come back. Not my brother. He's not my brother. This son of yours has come back and look what you've done. Listen, here's the point of this whole deal. The older brother thought that he had a relationship with father because of all the things he's done. I've been slaving for you all these years and he didn't get it. He couldn't call him father because of his own righteousness. Isn't it unbelievable the ones who call father are those the ones who are disqualified, those who don't get it? Those who have fallen short and say, Father, Father. See, Jesus is the only peacemaker that we can ever look to to make that relationship with the Father work. He's the only peacemaker. That's it. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And he's the only way to the Father. John 1.12 says this, to all those, to all those who believe in the Son, to them who call on His name. Ready for this? To all those who believe, to all those who call on His name, to them 
He's given the right to become children of God who get it. It's those of us that are broken in sin who don't deserve it. And yet by God's grace say, I don't get it, but I'm bracing Jesus as Savior because he's my only peacemaker. He's the only way. And to those of us, by God's grace, we can say Father because he's given us the right to become children of God. Listen, 1 John 3, 1. For the love the Father has lavished upon us, poured upon us, poured upon us, that we, sinners like us, those who don't deserve it, that we should be called the children of God. And it goes on to say this, and that is what we are. Incredible. Father, to those who don't deserve it, to those who are disqualified, that Jesus in faith is embraced. And now here's what Paul says. Listen to Romans 5.1. Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith. You see, it's not by birthright. You see, it's not by religion. It's not by your own righteousness. Therefore, having been justified, set free, cleared the air with the Father, made right with the Father, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No other peace. No other way, but you and I now truly can say, Father, we have shalom. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We have the spirit of adoption. We now can cry out, Abba, Father, he's ours. We can cry out to him as the spirit comes inside of us. I love those of you that God has blessed with adoptive children, especially those who have some of your own naturally and some by God's grace of adoption. And I love hearing, Father, Father, Some don't look like you. And yet you know this relationship through adoption that they had every right as your natural kids do to say, Father, that's who we are. By nature, no right. By nature, we have no right to utter the words, Father. By the work of Christ, ushered in, given the spirit of adoption, we can cry out, our Father. Our Father. Not only do we have a father, we have a family. What's it say? It says this, our father. It doesn't say my father. Don't say my father. It's our father. Through Christ, we have peace with God so that we can pray our father, but we also have a family. He is ours together. We are called to be at peace with one another. You see, it's a whole deal. It's not just about this individual thing. It's about us corporately, that we now have a family and we are to be at peace with one another. You are my brothers and sisters. Parents, how do you feel when your kids don't get along? How do you feel when they're really at one another? Doesn't it break your heart? There's nothing like that that breaks a parent's heart. I probably told you the story. I mean, it was like I was like 16 when my brother and I went toe-to-toe. I mean, it was a knockdown, drag out. You wouldn't believe it. I got the first pop in right in the mouth, split his lip open, bleeding. I looked at him, so I just can't hit him anymore. I gave him my best shot. He's still standing so he just started wailing on me, and I'm covered up, and somehow we broke a bench in the, in the family room, and we landed on the kitchen floor, and, and there I was on top, and uh, my brother's on the bottom, and I swear to this day I have no idea how my mom's in between us. Because a parent hates it when kids don't get along. Because a parent just gets a broken heart when their kids are beating the stew out of one another. Funny story, the doorbell rang and 
the guy that we both happen to know came to the door and he just looks at us and he's bleeding and I got shiners on both eyes saying, yeah, this is a healthy family. <laughs> you see, God has called us to himself in Christ so we can say Father. But as I say Father, you know what I say? I say brother. I say sister. We're family. God has called us to be family and he cares about the peace among us. You see, the church is a messed up place. The church is a messed up place that's broken and God is calling you to fix it. Not to trash it. Not to throw stones at it. Not to rip one another apart. Not to be separated. Not to let little petty things divide us, but unite us. We're family. Father. My brother. My sister. And that's, that's why we're doing the things we're doing here in, in January. And that's why I'm, I'm really trying to put my arms around you. The pastoral staff and I say, come. Come to these joint equipping center classes. Come at night because you know what? We're family. Father's got work for us to do because it's a mess up world. And he's choosing us to try to bring it some health. He wants to make all things new through us. And you're my brother and you're my sister. And we can't do it on our own. We need one another. We're family. You see, now, unbelievably, we have peace with one another through Jesus. And God has called us to make sure that that peace continues. How are you with the church? Are you just floating in and out of here? Are you uh, letting relationships be strained? Or do you realize because we can say our Father, we got to deal with our brothers and sisters? We have the power of God. Listen, our Father who is in heaven. Our world is a messy, broken place. And our God, listen, our God has empowered you and me to do something about it. He's called us to it, but He's empowered us because our Father is in heaven. And having a Father in high places helps. And nepotism is the way of this kingdom. You see, all the Father has, all of His glory, all of His strength, all of His might, He has given to His Son John 3, 35, the son says, all that the father has has been given to me. And you ready for this? This is unbelievable. But all that the father has has been given to the son. And all that the son has has been given to us. Psalm 115, 3. Psalm 115, 3 says this. But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Listen, Father is in heaven. He does whatever he wants. He's God Almighty. Whatever he chooses to do, he does it. He has all power, all knowledge. He is everywhere. He is the highest heavens can't contain him. He is on our side. God is for us. Who can be against us? He is, he is the one who can see all things. He's eternal. I know that you and I sometimes feel in our lives we're in the mailroom. Where we're so down low, we can't even get up in the morning. I mean, things, the world is beating us down. What in the world do we have? Our, our struggles are crashing in around us. Listen, if Jesus is your Savior, the Father in heaven is Father. And He can do all things. All things. For those who are His. I love that because He says... Right, right, in verse 115.1, it says, Not unto us, not unto us, but to thy name be the glory. Have you heard that? It's not about us. To your name be glory, and he can do all things. And then Philippians 4.13, listen, he says, God in heaven can do all things. And Philippians 4.13 says this, For those of us who are in Christ, you ready for this? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God the Father has made us in right relationship with him, the work of his son and he calls us to go into this world that's broken and messy and to make all things new and he wants to use us as the a plan 
God the Father has given us family and one another. And God the Father has empowered us because he is in the highest heavens and we are his. No matter how you feel, no matter where you are, don't forget who he is. And lastly, we have a mission. Hallowed be your name. Because we have peace with God the Father through the Son, we can do that which God has created us to do. And it's this, bring Him glory, to live for His glory. The world is a messy, broken place, and God wants us to do something about it. He wants us to bring shalom, peace, to whatever is broken. And He wants us to do this by living holy lives, by living obedient lives. Remember the story Jesus had with the religious folks? He said, God is not your father because you don't love me. If God was your father, you would love me. Now here's a litmus test for all of us. Is God your father? Do you love Jesus? Well, here's another litmus test. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. You will know that I am the source of life and that my commandments will lead you to father and will give you life and life abundantly. And listen, as you live your life in obedience to Jesus, it tells of the Father's glory. It tells His story. We now are saying, holy is your name. And we want the world to know that God is a God who is holy and good, who is Father. And our life communicates through our words and through our deeds that God is holy. We're following Him. We're trying to be obedient. We're confessing our sins. We're family together. He's Father. We're striving to be holy and obedient because we want everyone to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. See, one day every every tongue will. One day, every tongue will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is holy and he is good and Jesus is Lord. That's going to happen. But we're living with a time right now in between his coming back and his first coming. And we are the A plan into a broken world that needs to know that he is God and he is Father and he is holy. And the only way we do that is we live our lives as his children and obedience and love. And the world will see his glory and sing his praises and peace and shalom will reign. Listen, God desires peace for our world that's broken. He desires newness to that which is worn out. He desires beauty to that which is ugly. He wants to use us to do it. Those of us, by God's grace, who call out, Father, we have a mission His kingdom come, his will be done. And it's amazing thing is, if we were the only one, if we were the only one, he'd come and love us and rescue us. And we're going to sing. We're going to close the service by singing and just saying, God, it's amazing as we think of who you are and who we are not, that you would love us. It's amazing to think that if we were the only ones, he'd still come rescue us. Can it be, can it really be that that Father, Creator, Father who does anything He wants, can it really be that He loves us and He sheds His blood for us? We're going to sing that song. My brothers and sisters, my family, celebrate the God who would love you enough to rescue you so you and I could call Father. He would shed His blood, it is true, so we can be His. Let us pray together. Father God, thank you for the way you love us enough to come and rescue us. Father, we could never earn our peace with you through any of our righteousness, through a birthright, 
through our religion, only through your Son. Jesus, thank you that you've united us to Father, that the enmity is gone. There's no more condemnation, that there's peace with you, and we can call Father. Father, work in us through your Spirit so that we will live out this amazing love for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.